But Father, we thank you for the good word of God this morning. We thank you that you're still on the throne. And Lord, we, we place you on the throne of our hearts this morning, uh, giving thanks. Lord, in all things, in all things, we give thanks for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in all things. doesn't say for all things, but in all things we give thanks. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue sharing on the centrality of Jesus as we're making Him Lord. We've been in a very prayerful and careful refining in 2021 here at Grace Church and just getting back to the main thing, keeping Him uh, front and center. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken in the natural world until all that remains is the unshakable kingdom. Now, Jesus knew this. He knew the life he's living and the kingdom he's preaching and announcing that's at hand through the presence of the Holy Spirit is unshakable. Therefore, he uh, did not fear. He had great confidence because the sum total of reality backed the preaching of the kingdom of God and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. They marveled. Remember, three times Scripture says they marveled at his teaching because he taught as one with authority. Different than the scribes, the Pharisees, other people. There was something different about Jesus when he would teach. And that's because that word authority means he taught according to the nature of reality. Reality backs us in the Christ's life. Reality, everything in the universe that is reality, backs us living upon the way. And when you preach the gospel of the kingdom to your friends and your family, and when you demonstrate that life and the goodness of God, everything in the universe backs that way of life. Remember that. These other lifestyles they want us to celebrate and all that, the sum total of reality is not behind things that God says is an abomination. The sum total of reality and the facts are not behind things that God says are not living upon the way does that make sense to you so when we choose to live upon the way we have backing everybody say we have backing amen all of heaven and earth backs the truth it backs reality and we've been invited to live in that way jesus said i am the way the truth and life he was not a signpost pointing the way this is the way you guys should do it he is the way He demonstrated it, lived it, preached it, taught it, everything. So uh, the works, we've been looking at the works of Jesus so we can get to know Jesus better. Number one, reintroduce God's kingdom to us. He came for that. Number two, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Number three, he came to initiate the new covenant. Thank you, Jesus, for the new covenant lens. Number four, he came not to judge, but... For judgment. And then number five, he came to make disciples. And then number six, this is where we started last week. Jesus came to reveal the true nature of God. You think anybody on this planet is uncertain about who God really is at his core? You think anybody's a little bit confused? Absolutely. You think God gets credit for stuff he didn't even think about doing? Why? Because man tries to figure out in his own life experience In his own interpretation, even of the Bible, apart from the Holy Spirit, 
The one who wrote it, he tries to interpret who God really is. That's why there's so much confusion. So when Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, one of the works of the devil he came to destroy is your confusion. That you don't know who God is. You don't know he's relatable. You don't know how he really feels in his heart of hearts towards you. Jesus came to eliminate that lie, that confusion, and that deception. That by looking at Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, you would recognize God is very interested in reconciling you to Himself and having a daily relationship in loving kindness with you. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I have a lot, lot to share with you, but I have lots of things welling up in my spirit, man. But there were questions that needed to be answered regarding who the Lord really is, who God is. And I mentioned last week, this is a powerful revelation. This this will definitely be an aspect to a core aligning value of Grace Church. One of the core nuggets we hang our hat on is that God is Christ-like. This is very important because it affects how you relate to God. How do you have a relationship with someone you think might kill you if you do something wrong they don't like? It's hard to be intimate that way. Amen. It's hard to be intimate with a God that you see as your as the Godfather, not as your Heavenly Father. What I mean by the Godfather is He'll break your bones if you don't pay your debts, you don't do what you're supposed to do. Take care of the things you owe Him. Amen. Well, none of you think that. I praise God. I'm glad. It affects your praise. Psalm 48.10, according to thy name, so is thy praise. Who you believe he is affects whether you're doing this in total surrender and freedom and safety before God or you're doing this. Oh, Lord, I had a, I had a bad weekend. I'm not sure what I'm going to get today. Well, I'm here to tell you, your behavior issues don't change his character. He is who he is. He's not relying on you to determine whether he's good or bad today. Aren't you glad? You just don't have that. You don't have the power to move him off his character. It affects your level of trust. You can work hard to get a bunch of faith or you can get to know the Lord And know that you can trust Him. And that you're safe in the shadow of His wings. Come on, Holy Ghost. Number four, it affects how we relate to others. How we relate to other people. If you think that He's always keeping score on your behavior, then guess what you'll do with other people? You'll keep score. But Jesus never created debt towards other people. So if Adrian wrongs wrongs jesus he's not keeping score and a ledger so he can pay adrian back or how about this one day he can tell adrian you owe me he's not jesus not transactional he's not keeping account and record of wrong first corinthians 13 love keeps no record of wrong who is love he is so he's not creating debt by the bad things people did to him nor did he create debt by the good things he did Imagine healing Peter's mother-in-law and then when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter's not praying even one hour, he says, Peter, when you go back home, your mother-in-law, your mom, no, your mother-in-law is sick. That would be transactional. I'm going to take that healing away from you because this is, hey, I scratch your, your back, you scratch mine, buddy. That is not the new covenant. That is not the revelation of the nature of God. 
And yet most, most Western Christians relate to God transactionally. Are you his bride or are you his prostitute? Because prostitutes live transactionally. Can I get a witness? Brides do not. God forbid. So Jesus never created debt by the good things he did. Let me keep that in my back pocket so that when I need my lawn mowed, I'll remind Peter I healed his mother-in-law. <laughs> I'm glad we never do that. Amen, somebody. Now, it's a valid question to say, how did he do it? He had the nature of his father pouring out of him. John 7, verse 37 through 39, Jesus said, If you believe on me, out of your belly will flow a river of absolute excess. You will never lack for anything. Therefore, you don't need to make everybody in debt to you because they're not your source. What a powerful testimony that uh, I could share with you right here, right now, this morning. This person is in the room. But they believed God in the way of a amount that they owed. They believed to go ahead and offer that amount. And this was an exorbitant amount of money. And when they went to... This is based on last week's message. And they went to that person out of full trust that the Lord is their provider. And the person just simply forgave the debt. He is your source. He is your provider. You can trust him. You don't need to go around creating debt. The Lord is your shepherd. You don't lack for anything. Amen. Jesus didn't go around holding on to those that wronged him. 1 Peter 2, 23. Listen to this. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he didn't start threatening everybody. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously. He left all the judgment to his father. So he could just go around living out of the overflow of his father's nature that's on the inside of him. So where is the divine nature of God now? The divine nature of the Almighty. It's called DNA. The divine nature of the Almighty. Where is it now? It's in you. So you and I can also live out of excess. We can live out of overflow. We can live out of confidence that our Father owns cattle on a thousand hills. That's why when we do outreaches, we give it all away. We're not keeping a record. Hey, Choctaw, remember that night we fed you 800 hot dogs? Remember that? How about a little tip? How about this? How about you come to church, you know, as our payment? You know how many pastors I've had to ask? Hey, do, do you guys get a bunch of ch- people that come to church and become members because you do these type of outreaches? Uh, I don't know. That's not why we do it. Amen. I don't know. <laughs> we don't do it for a payback. We do it because we have confidence that the Lord is our shepherd and we don't lack for anything. That God is generous. God is kind to people who aren't kind to him. Half these people on Friday night, we won't even know them. But we're going to be kind to them. We're going to be good to them. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, anybody can be good and kind and loving to those who love you. But I want you to love people who don't love you. I want you to give to people who don't give you anything. Who can't possibly pay you back. And then he said, and you'll be a picture of your Father in heaven who sends rain on the just and the unjust, causes the sun to shine on the evil as well as the good. That is living from source. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I live. From you, 
as my source. Therefore, I lack nothing. I lack no good thing in Jesus' name. Come on, clap your hands and give God praise this morning. I love that. And now you don't even have to keep records of wrong. You can entrust yourself to the one who judges righteously. Is anyone honest enough to admit that when somebody wrongs us, we think probably inherently we know the best form of punishment they should have? How many of you think that's laughable that we would know better than God whatever uh, discipline, whatever needs to come, come forth in the way of His judgment, His discernment? I think He knows better than us. Amen. But we like to be in control. We like to control outcomes. We like to protect ourselves because we really don't believe He will. That's where a lot of that comes from. Lord, help us, Jesus. Number five, <laughs> moving on. Number five, who you believe he is affects how you pray for people. If you believe that the Lord's putting sickness on your neighbor, then why would you go pray for your neighbor to be healed of cancer? If you believe that your neighbor got his just desserts, he's a terrible man, therefore God put cancer on him, then don't you dare go over there and pray for him. You know in your knower God doesn't put cancer on people. How do you know this? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus didn't put sickness on people. He took it from them. How about this? If you believe God destroyed the city. Well, God did that. The, you know, Las Vegas. Let's pick that one. God totally destroyed Las Vegas. If you believe that, you won't run into Las Vegas and help those who are broken and downcast and need help when they've lost everything in their life. Because all your thought is, well, they got what God wanted them to get. A good butt kicking. He sent a flood into Las Vegas and drowned all those children. Killed them all. That See, that is the wrong concept of who God really is. If you want to know who He is, look at Jesus. And when you know that, see, when the Murrah building happened, I went, I went down there to help. And people are like, where was God when the Murrah building was happening? I said, he's down there comforting people, welcoming the saints who know him, welcoming them into eternity. But he's down there handing out water, feeding firemen, helping dig people out of rubble. That's what he's doing. He is not standing there looking at dead children and people thinking, yeah, you had it coming. He's not doing that. How do I know that with confidence? Because Jesus never did that. Amen. So Jesus Christ is God's perfect and personal revelation of himself. And if you don't have that in your notes, you need it. Jesus Christ is God's perfect and personal revelation of himself. See, what we want to do is we want to know who God is by starting with us. Our own experiences, our interpretation of the Bible. Well, I read this story about Sodom and Gomorrah, all these kind of things. How about we go to God? If you want to know who God is, ask God who he revealed himself through. Because <laughs> Jesus did not say, if you've seen Sodom and Gomorrah, you've seen the Father. Come on, Holy Ghost. 
When we want to know who God is, God is at His core, and I've read Scripture, I've read the Old Testament. This needs. To, I, this is a good question. Who is God really? Because when I look at the Old Testament, New Testament, read the Bible. Okay, I'm not sure. So we don't begin with our own ideas and experiences about God, but we we begin with God's revelation of Himself. I don't even begin with every event I read in Scripture, because Scripture teaches. Did everybody hear me say that? Scripture teaches that through multiple passages, which I'll show you again today, that Jesus Christ is God's personal and perfect revelation of himself. That's what Scripture teaches. Where Jesus is dimmed as God's revelation of his true nature, churches end up in religious legalism, fear-mongering, humanism. Humanism. Why do you say humanism? Because we go to our own intellect and understanding and experience to try to figure out who God is instead of saying, God, how did you reveal yourself perfectly and personally? Give me your interpretation of who you are. Not human intellectualism of who God is. Oh, my goodness. The world is full of this. They still show the Ten Commandments on Easter. Do you not know what Easter is about? But where Jesus is held up as a light and the true revelation of God, love abounds. Salvation abounds. Why? Because people aren't afraid of Him. They'll come to Him. Lordship abounds. Now I'm walking with Him every day. I'm not, I'm not afraid of Him with a tormenting demonic fear. I do have a healthy reverence for God. He's God and I'm not. He's my Creator, but He's also my Father. So when Jesus is held up as a light of the true revelation of God, we have love, we have salvation, we have lordship, we have the ministry of reconciliation and the move of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, I read about Sodom and other judgments in the Bible. What about that? Well, the Bible itself tells you to look to Jesus for the true nature of God. I'm not saying God didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm saying Scripture says not to look at Sodom and Gomorrah as the revelation of its true nature. Scripture is very clear. I'm going to show you these passages. The the written word says go look at the living word if you want to know the true nature of God. Come on. Amen. God has his reasons that he did things that he did in the old covenant. He has his reasons. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But I can answer all my confusion by simply doing what scripture instructs me to do. Go look at Jesus Christ and I'll know the true nature of my father. We'll say it again. The written word, the Bible tells you to look to the living word, Jesus Christ, if you want to know who God is. If I were to stand here today and not say a word, how many of you agree you could not know what I'm thinking? If I simply stand here, I never say a word, you cannot know what it is I'm thinking. But when I put words to my thoughts, then you can say, oh, well, now I understand where Steve is coming from. Why? Because I put words to my thoughts. Jesus is God's thoughts about you in word and flesh. So you can understand who he is. He is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I have for you. 
Now, if he doesn't release the word, you don't really know his thoughts are for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, to bless you, not to curse you, to heal you, not to make you sick. Amen. So God released his thoughts into a word, and we saw the thoughts of God towards humanity walking around in sandals. He is the word of God, which are his thoughts made flesh. So Jesus is crucial to understanding God because otherwise, if I just take the Bible, I'll read I love you in Scripture through the lens of my poor experiences of love. Or how about this? Even my best experiences of love, I'll still look at through the lens, if it's just the Word made ink on paper, then I'm going to look through the lens of all my experiences of love. But see, now, because the Word was made flesh and the thoughts of God were put into a Word and we saw Him in human form walking around, I know what God means by I love you because I see love walk up to the cross, die for me and the rest of the world. Now I know what love is. Amen. Stacy and I were talking about these things uh, Friday, and it's it's just life changing. It's earth shattering when you think about it. What manner of love that He would reveal Himself in human form? Not a not a book. You're not a book. You're a human. So he took his thoughts, put them in word form, and manifested them to you. That's a love story if I've ever heard of it. Jesus is God in the flesh. Can I get a witness on that? He's not a third person standing between you and God. He is God himself projected to you, revealed to you. Jesus is God winning your heart with his true nature. Not with an iron sword, but a wooden cross. Not obey me or else, but come to me. He's the only one that can help you obey. <laughs> he is the obedient one. He didn't want to win you with his omnipotence, his omniscience, or his omnipresence. He wanted to win you with his heart. So he sent you the part of himself, John 1.18, from the bosom, the very heart, the inner chamber of the Father comes the Son. That's who he sent to you. Amen. So let's go back. Bible drill. John 14.7 Amplified. Jesus said, if you'd have known me and learned to recognize me, you would also have known my Father. Because from now on, you know him and have what? You've seen the Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, cause us to see the Father. This is all we ask. Then we'll really believe. <laughs> so funny. Verse 9, Jesus replied, have I been with you for so long a time? You still don't recognize me. You still don't know me. Why did the Pharisees who studied their whole life memorizing Torah, all that stuff, how could they miss God walking around in front of them? It was their misconception of who he really is. And we're still missing him today with all the legalism, fear-mongering, and transactional preaching we get that God is out there holding stuff over our head. You better be good to me or I won't be good to you. Performance-based acceptance. Man, we, we can't be good without God. 
And, and, and the good news is, then when you come to him, then we think, oh, okay, all that is free and forgiven, but now I'm making installment payments. Because now I know better. Well, you do know better, but let me tell you something. you got some growing to do. Salvation is just the beginning. It's going to take you a while to figure out who you really are, what you really have, and what he can do in you through your yieldedness. Why? Why don't we just readily yield? How can we don't just surrender? Why do we self-protect? Sin. We, we were born into sin. We're, we're um, enveloped by it on a daily basis. Sin in its purest form is a violation of trust. So it wars against human beings trusting him. So he had to come and show himself as trustable. Not obey me or else. Amidst thunder and lightning and How did he come? He could have come like that. Thunder, lightning, earthquakes, typhoons. Here comes the Son of God and a voice called out from heaven. Obey me or else, you lousy humans. But instead, how did he come? A manger, a baby, humble, quiet, peaceful. I mean you well. And the angel said, what? Peace has come to earth. And goodwill... To all men. Who's the goodwill from? Him. We have to get this. We could spend the rest of the year on this. Honestly. We really have to get this revelation. Jesus said, if I've been with you so long, you still don't recognize me. You don't know me, Philip. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How is it you say, show us the Father? Next verse, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? So there's the second time he says that statement. What I'm telling you, I don't say on my own authority or my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me is doing all the works. These miracles, healing of the lepers, giving the little boy back to his mom after he had died. These deeds of power is the Father in me doing the works. So believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. That's the third time he said that. Or else believe me by the works themselves. How about that? If you can't see the Father's nature through my demeanor, then see the Father's nature through the works that I do. If you can't figure out He means well by the look in my eyes, then watch what I do in how I heal lepers. How there's a, there's a crisis at a wedding and I turn all this water into wine so that the bride and groom and their families are not embarrassed. Not only that, how much was it? Some say 120 to 180 gallons of wine. That's a wedding present. They sell that, am I right? Sell it, get your own home, get started. He went way beyond, way beyond. So are you you tracking with me? He's saying, if you can't see the Father in my demeanor, my attitude, my eyes, when you look at me, then look, look what the Father's doing through me. Look at the good stuff He's doing. He's approachable. He means mankind well. That's what I mean. Jesus didn't throw sickness on people. Am I done with that passage yet? I am. Look at this, guys. Look at this. Luke 9, 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for Jesus to be received up. Time for him to leave. He set his face to Jerusalem and he sent messengers. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans. Oh my gosh, it's the half-breeds. 
It's the half-breed Jews. Jews hate Samaritans and Samaritans hate Jews. But look, they did not receive him because he was going on to Jerusalem. And they're like, hey, if you're going on to Jerusalem, you don't need to even stop here, buddy. There's a lot of angst between Samaritans and Jews. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, would you like us to command fire to come down from heaven and kill them all? Citing Elijah. (laughs) There's biblical precedence. We can kill them all because they don't love you like they should. Oh, my gosh. But he turned and what? Rebuked them. And look at this. You do not know what manner of spirit you are right now. For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. And they went on to another village. My goodness gracious. John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love, His faithfulness came to us through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God, but the unique Son who is Himself God, who is Himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. New American Standard. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers... In the prophets, many portions, many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us, look at this, in His Son. God is speaking to you in His Son. God is speaking to you in His Son, through His Son, by His Son. Came right out of His heart, came to you. When this gets out, I just believe the whole world will be saved. Why don't people run to churches? Why are they not flying? Why aren't the sinners running to the church house? Maybe they're not getting this message. That God has spoken to us in these last days in His Son. Through His Son. He's talking to us. He appointed a mayor of all things. Through also He made the world. Verse 3, huge. He, Jesus, is the radiance of His glory. Look at this. He is the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Well, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, yes, it's in the Bible. But the Bible tells you, if you want to know, the, the let me get it right here, the uh, exact representation of God's nature and who he is, look at Jesus Christ, his son. How about this one? Colossians. 113 Amplified, the Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We live in this kingdom. We're part of this kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have our redemption through His blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. Now He, Jesus Christ, is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He is the visible representation of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. It'll change the way you relate to God. It'll change the way you worship. It'll change the way you treat people. It'll change the way you preach the gospel. It'll actually be good news. (laughs) And it'll change how you pray for people. You can actually have confidence to evict sickness. Because you know that all of life itself, all authority past, present, and future that's ever existed backs you praying for them to be healed. 
All right. I think that's all my scriptures there until later. Jesus is saying in John 14, if you can't see the Father just in me, then believe by the works themselves. See how I healed the lepers. See how I said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. How about when in anger and fear, Peter lops off a man's ear? What did Jesus say? You had it coming, right? Remember? Take that, buddy. Nobody challenges me, the Almighty. He picked up the ear and he put it back on. If you can't believe me by looking at me, look at the works that I do. And you tell me what you see about your father in the things that I do, in the works that I do. Well, that's powerful. Powerful, powerful. You want to know what God is like? You want to know what Christ is like? You should be able to look in his body. If you want to know what Stacy is like, are you going to sit in, you know, Indian style and go, um, what is Stacy like? No? Go look in her body. Right? You want to know her? Go find her body and talk to her. If you want to know who God is, people ought to be able to go talk to his body. Bless you. People ought to be able to go look in his body. And I think the reason that people don't run to the Lord all the time is because we haven't represented Him authentically. That He means human beings well. It doesn't mean He doesn't speak truth. We have to invite them to live upon the way, which is the nature of reality. You can live life against its design if you want, but you're going to get hurt. (laughs) Not because God will hurt you but because hurt is built into living against God's true nature. The laws of the universe back who God is. God invented life, so when we live life according to His way, we find freedom. When we live life against its design, we work our own destruction. Is that that fair to say? It is fair to say. What did He tell Saul? How was Saul doing? Was he living the Christ life when he was killing everybody? So Jesus said what to him when he knocked him off the horse there? The big light shine and all that. He said, Saul, why do you kick? English translation, why are you living life against its design? Why are you persecuting me? I am the way. So there are laws at work. Sin is its own punishment. Because you are trying to live a lie trying to derive life from something that there is no life and trying to make something the way that is not the way. That's when you got to have a V8. (laughs) I'm trying to live life against its design. What an idiot. But where does that come from? We think we know better than him. But there is a way that seems right unto a man. But in its end, the acarith, Is the Hebrew word death, the end result. The end of where you're going is death. In other words, there's no life in it. No life can be derived from it. All right, what else? Uh, You want to know what Christ is like? Look in the body of Christ. Sign me up. Sign me up, Lord. I want the world to know what you're like, and I want them to be able to look at me. And if they can't know him by looking in my eyes then may they know him through the works that I do. 
And how about this? The works that I don't do. (laughs) I don't pray sickness on people. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are a carrier and a revealer of the true nature of God and all of creation groans for the revealing of who, who you and I are. Romans eight nineteen. All of creation, all of America is groaning with pain to see who God really is. You are a carrier of the true nature of God. You're a revealer of how life is supposed to be lived. So where we want to get to in maturity is that people can see us and see the revelation of how life is to be lived. That we're living upon the way. Does that make sense to you? We can't make him known very well if we don't know him very well. So why am I telling you all this? So you'll get to know him and not have some tormenting, demonic fear waiting around. You know how many people tell me, I know God's punishing me right now. I know what Steve, he's punishing me right now. I lost my job and then my dog died and you know my, my car got run into and I, I know he's punishing me. All that is a lie. Because that would be being light on sin. The wages of sin is death. If he's really punishing you, he'd have to kill you. So the idea is just letting you skirt by by losing your job is dumb. (laughs) Now, does he discipline us? Yes, but that, that word is train. He walks with us in training like a father trains his son. Not let me whack you and judge you because I have... I've weighed you and found you wanting. So now I'm going to kill your dog. We're going to put dents in your car. Hailstorm is coming. <laughs> you know, when I get, I laugh at all the time. I share this with the family. So, but people that are like, man, a tornado was coming. It's coming right to my house. And so I prayed, God, or I, no, no, I spoke to the tornado. I spoke to it. And I, you will not destroy my house. And man, praise God, it landed on my neighbor's house. Whoo, Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. What are you smoking? Praise God. The tornado leapt over your house and wiped out your neighbor. Hey, I'm all for speaking uh, against it. Speak to it in Jesus' name and authority, but let it dry up and dissipate. Matthew 13, guys, you need to read Matthew 13. That's your assignment for tonight and this afternoon. Uh, Parable of the sower. But he goes on to say uh, the tares in the field. The whole chapter is on the kingdom. And uh, he says, they said, explain the parable of the tares and the, and the wheat. Is, am I saying that right? Tares and the wheat. He said that the son of man sows the sons of the kingdom into the earth. What if you and I are here as his seed he has sown? I know the sower sows the word. That's equally as true. But read all of Matthew 13. He talks about being disciples of the kingdom. And then he also says that we are sown as sons of the kingdom among the tares. And then the angels will harvest and take care of it all at the end. But, but let's be those that he's able to sow into the earth Sons of the kingdom. What's the kingdom? It's the realm where God rules. It is life upon the way. It is the, it is the 
life that everything in the universe backs being lived. It is the way, the truth, and the life. It is Christ and the Christ life that's living in you now and through you. So we can't make him known if we don't know him very well. Jesus knew this. So in order to multiply his life and release a true expression of the nature of his father, what would he have to do? He would have to say, number one, come to me. Don't be afraid. Come to me. Number two, receive me. Receive of me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Number three, live in union with me. Because God's life, if it's going to be seen and naturally expressed through a human being, is only naturally expressed and made known through union. Him being present in Sherry's life uh, and through her yieldedness and walking and living in that union allows the nature of God to be seen through her. Does that make sense? She cannot... She cannot produce God apart from God. That's Adam and Eve's dumb mistake. So God's life is produced and naturally revealed via union. This is proof Adam and Eve had the Spirit of God in them. They were designed to reveal God, yes, but never without God. We can never reveal God apart from God. So Jesus knew this. If we're going to multiply the Father's nature to be expressed on the planet, come to me, receive of me, walk in union with me. This is how it will happen. Amen, amen, amen. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved. And that word saved is made whole. It's sozo. You're whole in spirit, soul, and body. It's complete wholeness. You have been saved. You have been made whole through Christ, by grace, through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship. You're His handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. That literally is recreated, born again. You've been recreated in Christ. For what? For good works which God prepared beforehand that we could walk in them so that people could see Him, people could know Him, be drawn to Him. I mentioned earlier, what about the works we don't do? What about the works Jesus didn't do? He didn't kill, steal, or destroy. He didn't put cancer on somebody because he didn't pray long enough. We have to keep these things in mind. Let's go to this word here, propitiation. And I mentioned this last week. Well, I'm going to give you a Bible drill on it today. So if you want to write them down, you can. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You either believe that Jesus is your strength and advocate for doing better or your judge for doing badly. Which one do you think he is? According to this, he is your advocate. He is your strength for living in righteousness, not your judge for when you don't. He is your helper. He's your life coach. And praise God, he's your roommate. He's in here with you. Verse 2, he himself is the propitiation for our sins propitiation for our sins and not for ours only whoops oh but for the whole world dang it i was hoping it was just us the word the word propitiation means satisfaction or appeasement of god's wrath against sin god did not wink at sin he punished it put it to death in his son and guess where you were you were in him Help me, because I'm going to explode here in a minute. (laughs) 
We were in Christ. Everybody amen that? We were in Christ at the cross. So when he was judged, sin was judged, punished, executed, wages of sin is death, we died because we were in him. All right, look at the next one, 1 John 4, 10. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. He is satisfied. God is satisfied with the punishment for sin. This is why he's not seeking cities to destroy. He's satisfied in his son. Those cities, look at Chicago. There's incredible demonic work in Chicago. But it's not God doing it. It's the absence of God and the absence of people living upon the way. Sin is its own punishment. So the enemy is wreaking havoc there. We don't stand back and say, yeah, you deserve it. We never got what we deserved. We run into the city with light and salt, healing solved. We tell them who God really is. Turn to Him. Live upon His way. You need to pray for the mayor. Is it the mayor's? I mean, that woman, oh my gosh. She's lost as a goose in a hailstorm. And then it's like, that's right, the Lord needs a saver. And then it's like, I have no idea why the city is in ruins. I have no idea. Because darkness is present there. There is no light there. It's not God's judgment. He's not looking for cities to wipe out. He's satisfied in His Son's offering for sin. His wrath is appeased. It's the easy way out to sit around and say, well, yeah, they had it coming. And yeah, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And do nothing. We are the sons of the kingdom that God has sown into the world as light and salt. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. One more, Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, meaning not through your performance, has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They bore witness of it. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. How does right standing with God come? Faith in Jesus Christ. To all, on all who believe. If you believe, you receive If you believe He is who He says He is, He's the true nature of God, run to Him and let Him be Lord of your life. Give your life to Him. Don't hold back. Give everything to Him because you do not know how to live. He knows how to live. Give everything. Forsake everything that He tells you to forsake. Run to Him with abandon, recklessness. Or you'll perish in the way you live. That's, That's what's happening in America. Everybody's waiting for judgment. We're judging ourselves. We're telling him we don't want his way. We don't want his word. It is sad. But praise God, we're still here. And the Holy Ghost is still here. He's in us. So Friday night, we're going to do our part. Not just Friday. Don't wait till Friday. (laughs) When I say amen today, we're going to do our part. Look at this. The righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being justified freely. How? Freely. By His grace through the redemption provided in Christ Jesus. I'm going to put my glasses on. I can't see this thing. Okay. Whom God set forth as a, guess what? 
Propitiation by his blood. Hey, I'm nowhere close to being done, but you guys are welcome to come on up if you want. (laughs) Propitiation by his blood. He's satisfied. He's appeased through faith to demonstrate, look at this, his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So he's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. And then he executes judgment in his son. So you could freely now what? Choose him. Choose to live in Him. So uh, He passed over sins that were committed. You can go ahead and play, Anita. Okay. <laughs> to demonstrate <laughs> at the present time His righteousness. Where's righteousness come from? Him. Him. So righteousness can be seen in us, but please remember it's Him. That He might be just, and look at this, the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So just as if I justified, just as if I'd never sinned. He took the sinlessness of his own account and gave it to you. I mentioned God does discipline. Yes, he does train us. But he's not killing anybody. Sin kills people. Sin kills marriages. Sin kills families. Sin is unhealthy. Sin is unnatural. Sin is unsatisfying. Sin wars against your soul. Can I say that again? You may, most people think sin is really the natural way for man. It's not. Sin is unnatural. Why? Because we're made in the image of a God who's anything but sin. So what looks good on him looks good on you. That's why when you walk upon the way righteous you feel right and peaceful and joy but when you walk against the way you kick against the goads well unnatural unhealthy and unsatisfying sin and man are not affinities god and man are affinities figure this out and respond accordingly last one the lord he's so good last one i did get there where is it there it is second corinthians 5:18 And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And now God has given us this task of what? Reconciling people to Him. I have no problem with anybody going on a mission trip to Chicago and recognizing how sin has wreaked havoc in the city. But don't run in there and say God's doing that. God's not doing that. Our message is reconciliation. So leave your sin. Come out from sin. Receive Him and begin to walk in His way. He invented life. He, this is how it works. Remember, I started today that they marveled at Jesus because He taught according to the nature of reality. You're not going to change reality. You're made for Him. Verse 19. For God was where? God was where? Everybody. One more time. God was where? Reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So now we're Christ's ambassadors. We're literally his representatives. And God makes his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we beg you, come back to God. We can go to Chicago and say that. Come back to God. 
But we said earlier, and I don't know if you caught it, Brian said, when Christ was crucified, Brian said he was there. Where was he? He was in Christ. Who else was in Christ at the cross that day? No, no, no. Verse 19, God was in Christ that day. The same day you were in Christ on that cross, your Father met you in His Son, and you have been reconciled to God in Jesus Christ. Incredible. Do you see it? I had never seen it until this week. I knew I was there because I was crucified in Him. But God, my Father, met me there in His Son. And the two became one through the body of Jesus Christ. And I commit myself to you as your pastor. I commit myself to you that I will live in this reality from this day forward. That I have been reconciled. So what does sin have for me? Nothing. It has nothing for me. I'm already one with my Father. Because the day I was in Christ, crucified, dead and buried and raised, my Father was in Christ as well reconciling me, making me one. Reconcile means to make one. Making me one with himself. I pledge to you that I'll give my life to this to this understanding, this revelation, and walk out the reality of my oneness with Christ. Who's with me? Let's stand then. Let's stand together then. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to pray right away. I want you to make this right. I want you to tell the Lord what you're going to do with what you just saw and heard that when you were in Christ that day he was as well just commune with him talk to him listen to him oh father precious father precious father There's a shift happening in this church right now in this moment. An absolute shift. I feel it like ground underneath my feet to walk upon the way. To live life as He designed it. And to live from our reconciliation, our oneness. Awaken us, Father, to this reality. And we devote ourselves to following Christ. We devote ourselves to living upon the way. It's not by might or human power. It's by His Spirit. That's the only way it happens. But we consent. Will you consent with me this morning? Will you surrender with me this morning to give myself fully, wholly to life upon the way? And all of the universe will back your daily living. All of the facts, the nature of reality will, will back your daily life in Christ. If you are not born again, I beg you today on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God.
If you've never made a public profession of your faith to follow Him, I invite you into water baptism. I invite you into a public proclamation that you're a Christ follower. You're a disciple of the kingdom. And if that's you today, I'm only going to ask you one simple thing. Just meet me at the front afterwards. If you have not been born again and you want to make Jesus' Lord and Savior today, meet me at the front. Secondly, if you've never made a public profession of faith in Him via water baptism and you want to do that, you're serious that I want to live and walk upon His way, meet me at the front afterwards. Father, we love You. Lord Jesus, You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it is in You we were reconciled to our Father that we may now know Him and make Him known throughout our cities, our towns, and our families. In Jesus' name, everybody in this house said, come on, amen, amen. God bless you. Let's go make a difference. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.